Welcome to 115 Miles. On this episode, I asked Josh when he realised that his life was about more than just his personal survival, and this led us into an expansive chat about the importance of living your purpose and why it's as important now in this current climate than ever before. We then dissect whether rules are worth anything in society and why it's important for us all to keep challenging oppressive structures. As always, we end on reasons to be cheerful, which this week involves Josh talking about his inflexible joints. Remember to follow us on Instagram at 115milespod, And also follow us on whatever platform you listen on so that you never miss an episode. And finally, it would mean a huge amount to us if you would leave a review on iTunes as it will help get us up the rankings and speak to more folks. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Living exactly 115 miles apart, our lives could not have been more different growing up, yet we find ourselves today as really good friends with many similar outlooks and perspectives. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture and everything in between. Josh! <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, mate? I'm all How right, you doing? mate. I'm all right. This is about the fifth what a brilliant take start. to get here. Good start. Yeah. Good start. It's been a couple yeah. of weeks. Well, that's what happens when you let me start the, the show, right? <laughs> always, always Rusty. I'm gonna let you... Rusty. Well, that's the thing. We were talking every two weeks, every week, should I say. There you go. And uh, I was in my flow and then, you know, two weeks, you know, go by and work's been busy. I forget how to record a podcast. <laughs> What's been happening? There is something to be said, by the way, for momentum, isn't there? You lose a little bit of momentum when, you go, when we've gone to two weeks. There is a bit of that. But uh, listen, um, I um, had a bit of a difficult week with some family stuff, which is not podcast talkable. Uh, but but I'll talk. I'll, I'll be authentic in the emotion that I talk in that it was a heavy weekend, uh, and actually I, I had to sort of get a little bit of help with it in terms of for uh, for my boy, uh, which I found a little bit difficult, and I was a little bit surprised at myself, and I found it difficult in in that. Um, I think we've said this once before on the podcast, but like I'm the resilience guy, right? And then I found myself talking to this person uh, and there was a bit, there was a voice in my head that was like, you should be, you shouldn't need to be asking this. You should have this stuff locked down. Um, so yeah, I had that, but then I've had some like good. Do you know what's really funny? It, actually, normally you and I are even, we're texting and we're, we're in co- communication over the weekend and we weren't at all this weekend. Yeah. And I, f- I thought that was odd. Yeah. And I, and I, and I didn't sort of, you know, I haven't spoke, I didn't speak to you yesterday either, so not really. So I sort of felt that that was odd because we're normally back and forth. So it's, that makes sense now that stuff was going on. Yeah, and I'm just like not very. We did have a little bit of contact, and but 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 if you think about the contact that we did have, I, I was my normal sort of like ranty, just being judgmental and poking at other people. When I do yeah. that a lot, that means that I don't want to talk about me. Yeah. So I'm I'm being yeah. uh, evasive. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. After I've just dropped that bombshell on you. That st- wasn't much of a bombshell. Um, but you know what? I had a very busy work week last week. Like, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to grumble about having work to do, but it was busy and my head was a bit kind of full up by the end of the week. And then on Saturday, I just spent the morning with my 
So it was a very restful weekend. Yeah, I spent the morning with my daughter. We went out and we were taking photos and went shopping and stuff like that. And um, just, yeah, very chilled, man. It was very, very nice. Um, watch that new uh, Tom Hanks movie, Greyhound. No. Where he, like, it. he's a captain of a ship trying to cross the Atlantic and he's being hunted by a pack of uh, German U boats during World War II. Oh, wow. It was all right. What's that on yeah, Netflix? It was all right. Uh, it's on Apple. Signed up for a free uh, free seven day pass. Right. What's that? What, Apple TV? But I'm like, are you, are you, I'm like, I always say I'm going to like, do it for seven days and then I always forget to like cancel it. Yeah, no idea. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's on Apple TV and then, but there's a Beastie Boys documentary that I want, I've been wanting to see for a while as well. So I might have to have a look at that Tom out. Hanks thing. I got free Apple TV for a year for some reason. Oh, well then when that I got should my be all right. Mate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had a nice restful weekend. Another busy week this week. Um, Are you working in the office? Are you back in the office? Uh, we went to the office yesterday, yeah. actually. Went what, to, first you know, time? Had been in sporadically, but yeah, it was the first time properly had a bit of a run at it. Yeah. It was nice. It was it was crazy. It was really busy in Brighton, like almost back to nothing's normal. going down. Yeah. 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 I, was back in, I was back in London Friday as well, for the, back in London for the first time since lockdown began. Oh yeah, you were bored, weren't you? You kept texting me. Oh yeah, me. that's I was stupid just texting you, just trolling you. <laughs> You're no. just bored. It was so obvious. You're drinking your latte and having your, you know, your pumpkin and salmon lunch or whatever. And... <laughs> Life's changed, mate. Yeah, no, my eldest. What lockdown? <laughs> what COVID? <laughs> my eldest daughter was uh, four, or is fourteen this week, and so I took her to Fort Park, um, and then I had to sort of kick about because I ain't going in there and going on the rides, mate. Yeah. So uh, I just kicked about in London for the day. But yeah, you're right. I was a little bit bored. But um, I had a face mask with me, which are now compulsory as of 11 days. So you can still walk about without one for 11 days. <laughs> for 11 days, just go crazy for just, the next yeah, 11 so days. Enjoy then... it while you can. So, why? What, why 11 days? Why 11 days? Like, if you know you're going to need it in 11 days, why not just go, hey, let's do it from tomorrow. I mean, I suppose you can't just mandate change overnight but. and the only thing is is you know there are a few there are a couple of quid and some people might it might take people to the next payday to find a couple of quid to get the mask completely genuine although i don't i can't see that tories really cared about that but yeah well i mean <laughs> i mean you're, you're going political already we're only five minutes in <laughs> Um, have you worn a mask yeah, yet? Yeah, but I, have you seen the video? Have you worn a mask yet? Yeah. 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 My mum, my mum uh, used to, so when we were growing up, when we were kids, um, my mum used to sew dresses just to make ends meet. Like that's basically how we had money coming in. Because, you know, like my, you know, my dad passed away when yeah. I was 10 months old and my mum wasn't educated at the time. And so the only way to kind of make a living was to sew dresses. So um, she's she's a bit of a a master machinist, and uh, I brought her out of retirement. Um, uh, you because know, I mean, subsequently she you know she did that, but then obviously went to night school and then mm. went to work for the NHS. And amazing story. Um, but so she hadn't really sewed um, for a cause, if you like, uh, for a while. And I brought her out of retirement. And uh, she was a bit reluctant at first just because, you know, she hadn't really done it for a while. And then she really got into her groove. So she's been making loads of um, masks. Has and she? We've just been hand- handing them out. I bet people. you've got a denim so, one. She made you a denim one. 
No, man. Uh, I do have to have a chat with her about the materials. She's just like using really old sort of, uh, not old as in uh, manky, just just like old fashioned like lilac things. So I can't be wearing a lilac mask. It's not my color. But you know, denim would. I'd rock a denim mask, man. You would, mate. Yeah, and you'd that probably wear look, you'd probably wear it with a denim shirt look. and denim trousers, wouldn't you? Denim trousers. Jeans. Yeah. <laughs> jeans. Otherwise known as jeans. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, so, so yeah, I've got, yeah. Although I have to say, I was, in the beginning, I was really cautious. Just to be like, you know, just to be super candid. Really cautious, went into the shops, face mask, uh, you know, hand sanitizer before you go in and out and stuff like that. And then as I think we've got a little bit of lockdown fatigue, a bit of COVID fatigue, as I've probably felt more fitter because I've been, you know, doing exercise and, 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 and eating more healthily. I think I've become more relaxed around it, you know? Mm. And I, I wonder if that's like a lulling myself into a false sense of security. So in a way, I'm sort of pleased that there's a, it's mandatory, you know, um, just to kind of make sure that everyone's kind of taking the right precautions. Because I know what we talked about last time, you know, I know you had, you have some, theories and i have some theories and people have theories and stuff like that right but um mate we just don't know we don't know you, yeah. you know you, you you can look at it with one lens i'll look at it from another lens and we ju- it's just it's, it's unknown we don't know the long-term effects we don't know the short-term effects we don't know how much uh the government is being genuine uh we don't know how transparent they're being maybe they're being as transparent as they can be but because of because we're just naturally suspicious of governments we think they're not being. Yeah. And then you sort of look to other countries and if you think if they're not behaving particularly well, then you must think, uh, but, you know, by virtue of that, our government must, mustn't be doing too well or whatever, right? Yeah. So there's lot, So we just don't know, really. So I think it's better to, uh, my, my opinion is it's err on the side of caution. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And look, everything that I said last week was more of like having a proper discussion about it. So I'm actually very, you know, I'm all for doing what's needed and taking the, you know, the cautious approach over anything else. Uh, I just don't like when um, any kind of conversation is sort of silenced. When, when I, I don't like it when if um, you have, you want to have a discussion around a certain side of it, it's sort of quashed down as, you know, like for example, um, it, even COVID now has become like a political thing as in if you're sort of like against wearing a mask and not being told what to do and it's all a load of rubbish that's like become the quite the quite right wing view hasn't it and then like it's like the left side have adopted the wear a mask social distancing we should still be in lockdown I'm being polarized in that but but it kind of has fallen into that. And I get a bit frustrated with that because I think the truth is always somewhere in the middle. The truth is out there. The, tr- the truth According is out According to there. Mulder and Scully. And for the younger viewers, that's that's from the X-Files. <laughs> um, so I don't want to talk too much more no, about COVID. Nor do I. I don't know how we got there. Lockdown. No, no, because it's, it's real. It's, it's never going to go away. But I want to talk about something different today, actually. Go on. I'll start with a quote. Okay. Mark Twain said, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. 
So my question to you, my friend, is when did you realise that your life was more than just about your personal survival? When did I realise that? It's a great quote, by the way, from who's it by? Shania's... Mark Twain. Shania's boyfriend. Shania's boyfriend. Um, Don't embarrass yourself. Look up Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Later. Um, I'm only joking. He, he, um, He was an author. Back in the day. (laughs) When did I realise that my life was more than just about my survival? I think I realised probably when I probably when I got sober, but or and I would say I still fall into survival mode in my life. So if I'm not consciously trying not to, I will live in survival mode, which is a little bit of a trauma response, right? In that you know, if you're living your life in survival mode, then it's because you've been frightened into that rather than given the freedom to kind of explore and see beyond that. So probably for me, I realised I started living beyond my survival when I, not when I first got sober. Once I'd got sober and I went through some of the hardships that I went through, but I'll still have any, on any given day, I'll fall back into survival mode. Yeah, let me just expand on what, what I mean by the question really is... And when I say personal survival, I mean, obviously, what you needed to do, you got sober, right? Mm. In personal survival, I also mean your your family and, you know, your responsibility and your care and your love for them, right? Right, 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 right. But I'm talking about, like, your purpose, right? So beyond your personal survival, which I include your family and kind of those okay, okay, nearest okay. and dearest, um, into that space where you go, right, well, I have something to say. I'm going to use my lived experience, my journey, my learnings, um, you know, because it's, 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 you know, for some people just surviving, um, you know, and recovering is a, is a, is a lifelong journey. Right. Mm. And that is the same for you, but it sort of stops there. They just got to just go, right. I just got to get through the, the, the day, get through the week and I'll, you know, yeah. and, and do my best. And in a way that is what their point, purpose. Yeah, exactly. At what point, did you go right? Okay, well, you know, I want to do more for for children of alcoholics. I want to okay, uh, yeah. You know, I want to talk. I want. I want to talk. Uh, if I'm asked about it, I'll talk about. It. I'll go on BBC. I'll go on ITV. And then what? You know, wh- when did you know? You know, the 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 day you were you know born and and the reason why. So there was an epiphany when I went, when I got to Nakoa. So when I realised this, I've been struggling with this and I didn't know it existed. That was very. That was a big moment for me where I was like, I'm going to... I remember saying to Hillary, the, the, the CEO of Nicoa at that time, I remember saying to her, my daughter, I think Leah was pregnant with Maya, who's about to be four. I said, mm-hmm. by the time she's 10 years old, every single child in every single school will know what a child of an alcoholic is. Um, and we've got six years to go to get there, and we haven't far off, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a real moment for me. And then I kind of did that, started the blog that I did and all that sort of stuff. And then uh, the reality is, is when I met you, when I met you, I started to realize that my life experiences and my learnings and all that, uh, were, were of use to people beyond somebody that was affected by a parent's drinking and, and, you know, could be, you know, could be, could help or assist people further than that. So after I met you, and then and then I guess that's been, it's been it, that constantly expands. The more and more 
I do. Mm. Does that answer the question? Uh, it does, yeah. No, I, I actually think... I think you'd done more. I mean, my interpretation, obviously, is you'd done more of it, you know, like going to Parliament and and championing and being part of a, you know, an act of Parliament and, you know, and winning budget for, you know, um, yeah, yeah. this and... Was that before I met incredible. you? Yeah, it was before you met yeah, me. Yeah, so, but that, that, that was all still very... For children of alcoholics, not I'm not devaluing it, right? We we yeah. we we launched the first ever manifesto focused. for children yeah. of alcoholics. Um, but 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 I didn't, I never looked beyond that. You know, that's part of what I do now. A lot, you know, a lot of the other work that I do goes way beyond that. So when I met you, that was when I realised that actually a lot of the things that I experienced as a as a child of an alcoholic were. Uh, things that a lot of people in life experience. I, you know, I experienced them as a result of what I did, but actually a lot of us go through all of that stuff. And then, so then I, then I found my voice um, and realized there was value in that. And when I say value, I mean in, in, in every sense of it, all, all the different sort of facets of the word. Yeah. Um, which I did a lot, you know, remember the early days when I met you, I had to do a lot of work. Remember, I just kept saying to you, why would anybody listen to what I've got to say? Mm. You know, the thing is, um, what I'm trying to get us to is, you know, you know, living your purpose, whatever it might be, is the most important thing, you know, yeah. in life. Mm. And so for some, live, their purpose is what they do for their loved ones, their circle, their family. Yeah. For others, it might be a particular calling. And to me, you're living your purpose, yeah. right? Every day, you know, and um, how you go about it is is a different conversation, a different topic, right? But living your purpose is, you know, you wake up and you think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to connect with what I believe I'm here to do and do it, you know? And um, the reason I wanted to bring that up today was because I think it's really it's a difficult moment in our lifetime, right? Mm. In that um, people are being furloughed if they're, uh, you know, if they're even more unlucky, they're losing their job. So, you know, what happens is you will automatically default to a survival mode, right? And survival mode is I've got, you know, keep income coming in. I've got to go and find a job. I've got to Mm. do X, Y, and Z. And, And for many people in the short term, and maybe even a bit longer term, th- there's not going to be a choice. You just got to take what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. But if you can always connect, at least understand what your purpose is, you don't necessarily always have to give your purpose through the way that you bring income into in, in, into your household. Yeah. And actually, your purpose is is something deeper, which is, you know, when you understand what you're here to do. So, you know, I often talk about it because you know it's a big passion point of mine. I often talk about the fact that I still love the craft of HR and, and, and org design and, 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 you know, all the stuff that I, you know, that I built my career on and I still do it in my work. But if you ask me, is that my purpose? Uh, I, I'm unequivocally no. You know, if somebody said to me, take another job in HR and here's a bunch of money, I'm like, no, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't consider <laughs> it. But, you know, no, I just wouldn't yeah. because it's just, it's not, I, I've spent too long really feeling connected to purpose and purpose is where for me it's about 
the ability to help people be their best selves. Yeah. And, you know, and, uh, and that manifests in very different ways. And, uh, and so if you really, and if I understand that, there, there might be a need for me to take another job, right? It, you know, or, or do something different because of the circumstances which we find ourselves in. As long as I can still do that in some shape or form, that's really important. And that's why I wanted to talk about purpose because there's going to be a lot of change. Like we are going to see swathes of uh, redundancies and things like that. And I think if there's a way that we can help people to understand, at least tune into like what really energizes them and what they feel they could you know, be doing in terms of their purpose, um, I think that's an important thing. Yeah. How do you... Maybe this is too broad a question, but how, how how does someone find their purpose? Well, I mean, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite tools is 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 a is something called Ikigai. Um, Ikigai is a you know we've we've done it before, right? And and um, it's a Japanese uh, it's a Japanese philosophy. It's a way of life. It's a rite of passage um, <clears throat> where uh, the uh, you know it is extremely important for the Japanese people to find their hidden ikigai which is what they love and what they're good at and the intersection of those two is is the ikigai and um, so in the exercises uh, that, I, that I do with people around purpose it's really exploring what what you love what you're deeply passionate about what's really important to you um, in the world and it's not just about work it's about everything yeah. right so if you love making jam if you if you love hanging out with family and all of that's really important that rule all feeds in and then what you're good at are kind of the, the things that the skills that you've acquired and uh or you know through through kind of your life and then um and then you look at what does the world need right and so in terms of what you love and what you're good at what does the world need how can you influence it what's in your sphere of influence yeah. and then the other thing is you know how can i be rewarded how can i get paid so somewhere within this you know within within the circle uh the cross section of all of those things is is a way to explore purpose but essentially it, it's 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 a it's a journey you're not just going to get it just like that but i think just some introspection and at the very least asking yourself what's important to me what do i value what do i love mm. and what do i want to do yeah if you can find a way to kind of um, look at those two. And I find with this sort of work, the best way to, to do it is to scribble, is to get a piece of paper and start jotting ideas down, do a, a mind map, um, which is just, you know, write, write, you know, write your name in the, uh, in the middle of a piece of paper and just start branching out thoughts and ideas and see what emerges. Yeah. It's a creative process. Yeah. I remember the first time you ever got me to do that. Do you remember that? And I sent yes, you I all do. pictures of these big A3 things that I'd done at yeah. the, the old place that I used to work. Yeah. I proper remember that. I proper, and it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And I do, like, for me, to act, like, I love the icky guy thing. And anybody that's listening to this that, that I've worked with will know that I always bring it up. Yeah. Whenever people are kind of talking about that. But I do, I, I, I think one of the things that people find hard is to understand their value and to find their value, which is a, which is a key part of it. Right. Um, mm. Excuse me. And I, I recently heard, I can't remember who it was, but was talking about how your value, your value is innate. So you, 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 you shouldn't go out and find your value. You need to peel back and remove whatever it is that prevents you from recognizing your value. So we're all, we all born innately with value. Yeah. There's, there's value within us. 
and then throughout our life if we if we've reached adulthood and we're struggling to find our value what's happened is is that we've built up some layers or there's been conditioning or our life circumstances have kind of prevented us from recognizing our value so let me give you a really uh good example of one of mine is my sensitivity right that's a high value to me now it's a real big part of my value but throughout my life i grew up thinking it was a weakness i and, and i built up layers to compact it and run away from it and it not exist and so by the time i was an adult i didn't know that i had this real value of sensitivity uh other people would kind of notice it in me like cool oh, yeah, how did you spot that how did you know that but i never knew about it because i had built up layers to kind of protect myself from it so rediscovering yeah. that was about peeling back the layers and yeah do you know what i'm saying um yeah i mean i think people really do struggle um well there's two di- there's two distinctions right there's what do you value right you know so you know you value your sensitivity now as as kind of a marker for who you are but when you assess your value you know as in what value do i bring right that's different and that's harder because you sort of you're 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 more self depreciating like yeah. you, you sort of look at you look at yourself um with a negative slant oftentimes right and um uh, or critical eye you know and you know i'm not go- i'm not that good or you know and those sorts of things so actually one of the ways that you can help yourself understand your value is to ask other people yeah is to say to someone that you trust uh someone that you like someone whose relationship you know that uh means something to you what do you value about me mm. You know, and uh, as Brits, I just don't think we're very good at taking positive feedback. <laughs> no. I know, I hate it. I it hate makes it me when wince people just thinking praise. about it. You know, like when yeah. someone says, can you send me a short bio? So yeah. I've got one that, that was done for my website and stuff that somebody else kind of took and, and did for me. But when I have to copy and paste it into an email, I've got to click send straight away because I think oh, I can't read that. Yeah. Because I hate it. Yeah. It makes me, yeah. <laughs> it makes me yeah. feel gross. But it's important to do. Yeah. It's really important to do because if you can't recognize, uh, you know, your own value, um, you're sort of missing a trick for yourself, yeah. right? And it's not the same as being ego-driven or bashful or overly confident or anything like that. I think it's really just important to understand. And it's definitely a journey. Like, you know, for me, uh, you know, I have always struggled with praise and uh, found it uncomfortable and... Um, and actually, you just sort of—I prefer to just be, you know, under the radar and and just get on with things. Um, but but in the last two years, just just recognizing the value that I bring to others um, has made me stronger. Yeah, and it's and it reinforces my my ability to bring more value. You know, and so it's a it's a it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So I think it's important to do that, and. Um, it is also important to to get other people to reflect back to you because you'll be surprised. One of the things, as you know, from the coach training is, you know, through the journey, um, it's a very it's a very um, opening up experience when you when you train to be a coach. Um, and there are moments where your presence, your value, um, 
what you bring to a space, what you bring to a group of people is reflected back to you. And it's, it's really, it's really difficult. It's super emotional. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to do. I mean, that's a, that's a way to, to help you we're, have a journey. As friends, like as me and you as friends, we're, we're, we're quite good at it to be fair. Right. As in like taking a bit of a moment to, you know, show our appreciation. Like if you've done something or, you know, recently I had some feedback, didn't I, that I shared with you. And then we like, we had a moment where we stopped and it was like, let's just, and we both reflected on it and you sort of gave me some positive stuff around it. And I think we, we kind of do it quite well as, as, as a friendship, but I think we're, yeah, I don't want to bring, I don't want to sort of gender stereotype, but I don't think a lot of blokes do that between each other as in, you know, say, you know, I really appreciate this about you. I really like this about you or, you know, this is really good, a really good thing that you do. I certainly, you know, speaking as a man, uh, I, I don't think men are very good at doing that with one another. No. Which is a shame, with, um, you know, because it is so important. It is, you know, I, I, I need that kind of thing, right? Not, I don't need it to survive, but it, I need it to be able to progress in my life. I need to hear that I'm, you know, succeeding in what I'm trying to bring value to. Do you know what I mean? Not in like a mm. codependent I'm just constantly seeking validation, but you know, I do need a, you, you need praise, right? It's a normal human instinct to, to want. And need As that. children, apparently we hear 10 no's for every one. Yes. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I read that stat somewhere. Right. Yeah. So we, we are, we are, we are just built. We're wired for, um, uh, you know, just kind of, not, we don't get a lot of positive feedback and praise, mm. right? I think other countries probably do it a lot better. I don't have stats, but you know, I'm sure that there are, you know, po- you know, there is there are cultures of more positive uh, kind of affirmation and confidence building, right? Um, and so even even like in work, you get it to a degree, right? To a degree, um, but when you set out by yourself as an entrepreneur, as a business builder. Um, uh, or, or you just kind of, you know, or you don't have, you know, people around you, it, it, it's really difficult. You don't hear it. So and it doesn't mean you don't need it, you know, and if actually you spent your childhood hearing no 10 times and yes once, you know, that, that would correlate with kind of praise probably as well. I'm not, I'm not, you know, generalizing. I know some parents are amazing at it and some are less good yeah, at of it, and, but it's just kind of a, a, a general kind of uh, perception. So, you know, that moment you were talking about was... It was emotional for both of us because I think we both went back to, you know, some of the stuff we were talking about around purpose and when we first met and actually you were saying, well, who's going to want to listen? And this feedback came from, you know, a, a massive global international uh, corporate enterprise. Yeah. And some of the some of the stuff that was coming out was just, you know, it was it was just it was sort of stops you in your tracks considering the journey that's happened yeah so i think those moments of recognition are important and i agree they just that you know that sort of vulnerability still isn't shared mm. and um you know there's a lot of work to do still i think it's gotten better you know i think I you know do, you, yeah. you've definitely seen more campaigns for men to speak up we know that you know that the suicide rate is you know it's highest than it's ever been. Is that right? Or, or documented? Or I mean, I've, I've read stats, but but I wouldn't know where they 
where they come from, where their origin. But, but I've read you know, stats. But we know, let's just say that you know that the male suicide rate oh, between overall, up to the if, age of forty. Is, yeah, even before yeah, COVID, the it's, killer, right? it's yeah, like yeah. it's the biggest killer of men yeah. under under forty five. Yeah. So, yeah, and um, and uh, you know, and and you've been personally affected by it as well because you know you know you, you know people that have. Um, you know, people that you were close to, um, you know, in, in your history mm. uh, have taken their lives, you know, because there's just no space to talk about it and yeah. uh, and it has to change. But it is it, it seems that it's gotten better over the last five years than 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 in the previous 10 years before that. Yeah, I t- definitely agree. Definitely. Um, uh, uh, and th- th- there's certain ways that men do it. I always go to because I play for a football team, you know, so uh, I always go to what the lads are like there. And if you go 10 years previous to now, you wouldn't have got any of it. Like, there's no way, not just because of the person that I was, but even if I was the same age as I am 10 years ago now, I don't think there's any way I could have walked into those changing rooms doing the online stuff that I do now, knowing that all the lads had seen what I do. Mm. I don't think I could have done it. So it has Mm. changed in that sense, because I do it now. I walk in. I don't know how much of that is that I'm sort of one of the senior players and I'm kind of at that stage in my life now and all that stuff but I certainly don't think it would one of the senior citizens it would would have been uh, well listen you're the only one with a Zimmer frame on the pitch right (laughs) I feel old when I play football mate I know I'm not old but but, but that's good if you feel old that means you're working hard right and like you're keeping up yeah 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 yeah. so yeah Yeah, it it is changing it is changing and and you know, the the lads at football are all trying to do their bit as well now, so. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, all right, man. I want to ask a, another question. It's a bit of a tangent, really. Um, and my question is, what is the point of rules? <laughs> What's the point of rules? What's the point of rules? Let me give you some context. This week, Monday, Manchester City... Yeah. Had the two year ban from Europe overturned. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were able to throw a lot of money behind it. They were able to kind of put their argument. And this isn't a Man City Liverpool thing. This is just really about, you know, what's the point of having rules if you're never going to uphold them? If the body that sets the rules doesn't uphold the rules. Yeah, so I think with the Man City thing, it was a lot to do with the ways that the rules were written, right? So they were very shaky. And I'd imagine there's a lot of reason to that and that's all steeped in money um, to some degree. Um, But what are the point in rules? What's the point in rules? Well, if that's the case... No, okay. So if that's the case, why isn't everyone doing it? Because the thing is... I te- I'm telling you now that your Paris Saint-Germain's of the world, probably Liverpool. Um, of course, no. Um, but Paris Saint-Germain, yes. But okay, for, this isn't. This is. This is basically about if you've got enough money, you can flout the rules, yeah. right? So that they may they may be ambiguous and vague, and I haven't really looked into the uh, specific details. But it's really obvious that the the ones that yield the wealth and the power, so Liverpool would be included, will always be able to buy themselves out, right? Yeah. Against the smaller clubs. So it perpetually holds this disparity. And let's take it away from football and talk about, you know, uh, you know, being able to support yourself legally. If if you are somebody at the lower end of the social spectrum, you've got to take what's given to you, right? Yeah. 
Whereas if you are at the higher end of the uh, spectrum, you can afford yourself uh, legal, you know, support uh, that you choose and you're more likely to be able to kind of get away with whatever, you know, you've done or not done or whatever or defend yourself. Um, but the, But the question is, you know, the rules are there and they may be ambiguous, but they're there. Otherwise, just tear up the book, right? So what's the point of rules if... You know, if if they can't be, uh, you know, if they can't be managed and they can't, you know, and they can't be adhered to. Well, based on everything you've just said there, it's to keep the rich rich and it's to keep the powerful powerful and to keep everybody else in check. But you, if you want to base it on what you've just said there, let's take the football example, right? And of course, like you say, we don't know the technicalities, but but we know that I, I would I would imagine that your your PSGs, your Man United, Real Madrid, Barcelona, for anybody that doesn't know anything or much about football, all the big clubs that hold the big wealth probably sighed a sigh of relief when Man City got off the hook because they probably think we can carry on doing what we were doing now and they'll have to let us off the hook unless they start changing the rules because they've just let Man City off the hook. Mm. So like a lot of, you know, most rule systems like that benefit those in power and keep the people toward the bottom end of the power in check and doing what they're supposed to do. I mean, it could go right off on a tangent, but you look at the the dude uh, Epstein and the lady, what's her name, Max Maxine, is it? Mm. Whatever her name know, is, yeah. that's just been caught, yeah, with all the stuff yeah. that they are now saying that those lot in power get themselves up to, um, they ain't following any rules whatsoever, are they? And look, it's true, the massive corporation, com- the corporate companies as well with tax and stuff like that, isn't it? Mm. Um, and again, that feeds into the notion of um, supporting the powerful and keeping them powerful and keeping everybody else in their lane. I mean, you know, as, you know, as, a, as a corporate HR director for several different companies... Whatever happens in any dispute, the company always wins. Yeah. You may end up paying more than you wanted to, but the company always wins in that you, you end up always being, you, you, you know, you, you, you know, you can have the, the kind of the, uh, the support, you've got the resources and ultimately just, you know, I'm talking about bigger companies really, you know, but ultimately it just ends up being, um, you know how much you can put behind it and how much you can beat you know wear someone down mm. and i think i always used to try and i don't want to paint myself in a virtuous you know uh, you know light but i think i always try to kind of understand it from the other person's perspective and try and be fair and um and uh, but there's always a lot of pressure you mm. know so you know if you work for a big parent company and you're trying to do something that's against the norms so i remember um there was a situation once where uh, somebody was entitled to something, even though that person had been with the company two decades. They were only it was in a different country. They were only entitled to a very very small thing just because of, of a bit of paperwork. Yeah. Um, um, they weren't really entitled to much, and I had to battle to get them something that wasn't even a lot, you know. Mm. And uh, because yeah, the, the 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 corporations always kind of you know win, and so it's like. And even though there was like, you know, th- that's a slightly different situation, but oftentimes the, the, the law and the rules sit on the side of 
the individual, but the corporation always wins. So I guess it's it just got me thinking, you know, like um, when 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 lots of people are, you know, we've talked a lot about this in the last few weeks, right? About people who are saying, oh, I don't, you know, I don't mind people protesting, but you know, but you know, breaking the rules or looting, and you know, like, well, what's the point if you're <laughs> if if actually what you do is you try and obey the law and you live and you try and play nice and, you know, and, you know, and do things in the right way and nothing changes. What's the point? Yeah. You might as well just go for it. Well, that's why you see uprisings, isn't it? That's why you see people have to have an uprising because, because what happens is the, the, the powerful continue to kind of what you're talking about there is, is to continue to gaslight those who hold no power. And, you know, you see that that plays out in all of the stuff that we've been talking about over the last three or four weeks about the protests and the stuff like that. Right. Which is like they're not they're not being listened to. They're not operating under the same rules as everybody else. It's all different. And then so then when this happens, everyone's like, why is it happening? But like you say, what's the point? If if doing the right thing's not fair, then what's the point? Yeah. But but in but all systems tend to work like that. All you know, unless you start getting into the realms of talking about socialism and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Which Look, I'm being I'm being you know I'm being deliberately provocative. I right? know you of are. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But of course, what you know, I'm not talking about anarchy. I'm just saying that let's have a riot. You want everyone yeah, to just riot? Yeah. I predict a riot. Um. Um. <laughs> I'm saying that for, for, for people who are listening and actually, you know, I'm speaking to the people who probably will never listen to our podcast as well, <laughs> is when you start to question why people are doing certain things like uprising, like Black Lives Matter, like protesting against uh, austerity um, and all those sorts of things, it's because the system fails the most vulnerable. Mm. The, the system f- fails the the, the oppressed the system fails the people that play by the rules mm. right so i'm not sa- i'm just saying it's okay to challenge that yeah like we're, we're not sheep you have to like you have to speak up if something's not right you have to speak up so for example you know if you're in work and you see something that's not right you have to speak up and i would say now culture protects you more than it did in the past me too for example or if you see racism in the workplace or you know like culture is going to protect you more than it has in the past right so i think you know it's important to speak up and it's important to challenge things it's important i'm saying this as much to us as it is to other people that it's important that we keep challenging ourselves and other people to keep challenging the system and, and, and challenge, yeah, challenge everything should always you should always challenge everything, any system, right? Because a good mm. system will be able to withstand the challenge, right? So, mm. so this kind of comes into. Have you seen the, the the kind of big conversation that's been going on around cancel culture? Uh, say some more, mate. So J.K. Rowling. Um, oh yeah, said yeah. some stuff. Yeah. Now I don't want to. The reason I don't want to talk about what she said about the trans community, and then is because I don't know enough, right? Yeah. But she said some. She's been saying some things about the trans community, and then obviously it, the trans community have sort of got upset about it. So some of them are kind of saying, you know, they're not going to buy into her stuff anymore. Then uh, in the midst of all that, J.K. Rowling, Rowling, and 
about 150 other celebrities, wealthy people have signed a petition to raise awareness around cancel culture, right? So, of course, a lot of people are saying, hang on a minute, JK Rowling, you haven't been cancelled at all. You're still a multi-millionaire, et cetera. Billionaire. Billionaire. I think she's or, a billionaire. Yeah, whatever yeah. she is. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which has then led some of the people to then start saying, uh, so there's a lady called Natasha Devon, who's like a mental health campaigner in the UK. I don't know if you know who she is. Um, and she's now saying cancel culture doesn't exist, right? And that you, you can't, doesn't it just doesn't exist. So it's been like polarised the other way. So the reason I the reason I brought that up is because it it feeds into what you were saying about always, we should always be questioning particularly what powerful people are saying and um feeding us and the information that we're being fed that should happen with government that should happen within uh any organization that you work for any otherwise because when we don't question it that's when you get terrible things that people that happen and they're allowed to get away with jimmy savile was was one of them right jimmy savile was allowed to get away with what he did because nobody spoke up right mm. now i'm not blaming the people that didn't speak up but the systems were set up against them so we should always be encouraging people to question everything and don't settle if, if you feel uncomfortable. And so just to be really clear, what we have to also recognise is that that is true across the whole spectrum. So actually what we're saying is if it's important for us to challenge status quo systems, mm. it also means that it is the same is true for the people that are not on the same side of our argument, right? Yeah. So they, so they will be able to challenge the notions of uh, unconscious bias or white privilege or, uh, or you know, um, you know whether kind of the Me Too movement was valid or whether it was overblown or like the, all the arguments they're yeah. going to use it in the same way, right? And they're going to challenge in the same way. Yeah, but but and or and they should be allowed to. Right. Yeah. And they should be listened to and the difficult conversations should be had. One of the main reasons or one of the big things we wanted to do with this podcast when we set it up is to encourage those difficult conversations to speak about the stuff that gets uh, swept under the carpet. You know, I think social media has created that culture because of this council culture has become where, where everyone's frightened to have those conversations. And it's like, well, I'll just I'll just agree with, you know, I consider myself left for example so I'll, I'll go with what all the left are saying rather than have the difficult conversations and say right I don't know let me entertain what you're saying now of yeah. course there's nuance here and there's lines to be crossed particularly when it comes to to race is a good example where if somebody's just being racist then they're just being racist and well you know uh, that's true and I, I i heard a podcast a, a little while ago and I, I think it was ray dalio um who was saying this i think it was ray dalio was yeah who was who was saying that you know a, a, a problem we face at the moment is that we is echo chambers yeah. right and an echo chamber um in the digital world is just an expansion of what we've done in in you know prior to technology yeah. and you know you just hang out with people that you want to hang out with right and um, there are going to be certain circumstances in which you, you can't always do that who you work with who you go to college with all that sort of stuff but generally your your circles you'll just gravitate there yeah and social media is just 
it's just technologically enabled that at a much bigger scale. So actually in the beginning, you probably, you know, in the beginning of Facebook and stuff like that, and you used to probably see more coming into your feed where it was a conflict and you and it would pop in, right? Mm. Um, whereas now you tend to see stuff based on what you like. And so it filters all the stuff out into a different echo chamber. And that's why you've now got this kind of, you know, this exponential challenge, like huge echo chambers that that convince people that they're going to win an election because because yeah. all they're hearing is that right you know that's not a new phenomenon and actually what Ray Dalio was saying is I think it was Ray Dalio but he was saying you know to have a debate you have to have both sides yeah. of the argument that's why question time is actually really good because you actually see both sides of the argument you may not like what you hear yeah I may not like seeing someone like Katie Hopkins in fact it makes me my blood boil. But it's important to know what's being said and you have to have a conversation because it's the only way that there may be one day an opportunity where you go, okay, I hadn't looked at it from that perspective Mm. and you might just start a different conversation, a different dialogue. So I've always believed that, you know, as much as possible, and there will be some times where you just, you know, you can't bring in, uh, you know, a, you know, there are certain circumstances around race where you just can't put two groups of people together. But I think it's important to to make sure that you do everything you can just not to stay in your echo chambers, in your debates and stuff. Because otherwise all that happens is, you know, the right-hand side will will kind of feed the right-hand side, the left-hand side, and they will just build this swirl up against each other. Yeah, and all exactly. Sort of stay where they stay. Yeah. And then, and then, like you say, within, when you exist within that, that echo chamber, everyone's just always telling you you're right. And then what people have lost or certainly seem to be losing the ability to be able to do is disagree with people that they like. Right. Mm. So like, mm. you know, I, I, I've been, I've been doing a bit of Twittering this week, which I haven't last week. I did around this council culture stuff. I went down a bit of a rabbit hole where I was kind of reading it and I responded to a couple of tweets. And then before you know it, you're in these like debates. And of course I love a good discussion. Right? But, but, it's amazing how quickly it turns to sort of attacking with like before anybody's even willing to have the difficult conversations around the nuance of stuff. And what you see is, you know, even with that cancel culture, it just becomes so polarized. It's like, I agree. JK Rowling, if she's saying she's, you know, they've attempted to cancel her because of her views. I think she's mistaken, right? That she's not been canceled. People are just calling her out and disagreeing with her. But some people really, I do believe, really do get victims of cancel culture. Caroline Flack is an example I use. She was bullied and harassed and trolled and stopped getting employed by anyone So she, and then took her own life. So she really was cancelled. But, but what happens is it's like you have to join sides. It's like you either do think it is this or you doesn't. And nobody wants to have the nuance in the middle. Mm. So... Um, yeah, I, look, I hope that's something that we do on this 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 podcast, which is to entertain those difficult conversations, which I think we do well. Yeah, very well. Yeah, extremely. <laughs> yeah, extremely well. Um, all right, reasons to be cheerful. Yes, I've got a, my, mine's very well, personal. Okay, so so is mine. Uh, you go first. Okay, so I just want to first say one that's not my reasons to be cheerful, but I'm going to get this in. I want to really, really congratulate Wickham Wanderers on their huge win in the League One playoff final yesterday um, against a very, very poor side that have always believed they're a lot more than that, which is Oxford United. 
Uh, Wickham Wanderers beat them 2-1. Um, Akin Fenwa plays for Wickham Wanderers. Everybody loves Akin Fenwa. Uh, so the whole country wanted Wickham. Big, big Liverpool fan. Yeah, big Liverpool fan. Uh, he was a victim of some terrible abuse, about actually, in the, the semi-finals of the playoffs. Did you see that? They, he, he said no. he felt dehumanised. Um, they were calling mm. him... I can't remember and I don't want to get it wrong, but they were calling him something with racial connotations to it. Um and there's a great interview you should go and watch his post-match interview. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, like you want to see footballers acting like that. Um, and yeah, and and they beat what is a disgusting side um, in Oxford United. So that's not my reason to be cheerful. Nice reason to be cheerful. But I wanted to get that in there. My reason get, to be got, cheerful. Get it off your chest. My reason to be cheerful is I am now fully invested in yoga. So I've been wanting to do it for a couple of years. I'm in the twilight of my football career, so it's very needed. But I'm really, really bad at it. And I don't like doing things unless I can feel like I'm really good at it quickly. And I can't with yoga. So I've had to buy these yoga blocks and some straps, some assisted straps. And I act, on YouTube, I have to put Zimmer in... Zimmer frame. Pardon? Zimmer frame. Zimmer frame. <laughs> well, these blocks are basically yoga Zimmer frames. Uh, and I have to type in extremely inflexible yoga because I, you know, I can't anywhere near touch my toes. I can't sit cross-legged, but I'm fully invested in it now and I'm doing it every morning. I've moved my exercise routine into the afternoon so that I can do this yoga in the morning and not, you know, we've started preseason football back as well now, training, but it's not just the fact that I've started yoga. It's the fact that it's what... I know it might sound silly because I'm only doing it at home on my own, but it is really out of my comfort zone. Um, and I'm fully on it now, fully invested. Uh, I, I, I once heard a quote, might be Tony Robbins, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Yes. It's good, right? It is good, mate, yeah. And I'm I'm fully there with yoga now, so. Nice, nice. Um, my reason to be cheerful is hobbies. Okay. So, um, like uh, a lot of parents during lockdown, I imagine there's a conflict between uh, letting your kid, not just as parents, you know, just, you know, for yourself as well, there's a conflict between spending too much time on screens. Um, But just speaking from a perspective of a parent, you know, the conflict between sort of spending too much screen time on screens and also being connected to friends and stuff like that. Um, But I definitely get a bit frustrated when, like, when like my kids just come off one screen and 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 I'll say all right you're off that little screen and then they just turn to a big screen you know yeah. uh, uh, you know like and and so on Saturday I just I I know that my eldest daughter has a, like she's just a very very good observer she just picks things up she's all she's always been great so my view is that actually I think she'd make a great photographer and we we messed around and stuff so I got the old uh, 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 camera out so not the phone but actually a proper camera. Uh, charged it up and then we just went for a walk around Brighton and just you know t- teaching her how to kind of take pictures and you could see she was like really getting into it and uh, it was just nice to kind of do something creative um, I mean I appreciate it's another screen um, but you know <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know just to you know to take to, to take photos and just kind of help her tap into something that she probably doesn't even know exists and I actually think you know she you know she does stuff on TikTok as we've talked about before so that, I think that's creative but it's sort of it's it's it feeds into this whole likes thing and yeah. followership and and actually I wanted to just disconnect it and just help her to 
you know, to, to nurture a new hobby. And um, I, I forgot actually that I quite enjoy it myself and just kind of, you know, um, it was just a lovely bit of time to spend with each other. So that was my reason to be cheerful. Love it, mate. This week. Absolutely love it. What a good way it to end a, as well. Yeah, it was brilliant, man. It was, um, you know, I, I, I've definitely felt it missing uh, last week. It was something we, we'd really built momentum around, but it was, it was great to have a chat. Anything else you want to add? No, uh, just I think it, look, I think it's good now that we're doing it two weeksly, bi-weekly like this. We're set up now. Uh, I think it was great to put it out last week at Waygon 11 because you forgot to do it. The first week we announced that it's going out at 11 and I text you at 2 to ask if we're live and you said you forgot. Uh, but yeah, if anybody's enjoying it, uh, just know that we drop bi-weekly on a Wednesday at 11. You can find us on Instagram at 115milespod. Uh, and would really appreciate it if you left a review. I've not seen any reviews yet. Uh, I've seen a five-star rating on one of the platforms, and I think that was me that left it. <laughs> so please give us a review. <laughs> and we'll All see right. you in two weeks. See you next time. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya.